Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky, and we are less than one week from the New York Rangers beginning their 2022-23 season versus the Tampa Bay Lightning at Madison Square Garden. We will certainly look forward to that uh, in five days' time, Uh, but but definitely want to dig into some of the other uh, preseason storylines as training camp winds down. Rangers will finish off their preseason schedule on Saturday. And then get ready for the real thing, the 82-game haul uh, towards hopefully another playoff berth and another chance at the Cup. Uh, before we really jump in, we do want to welcome Becky back. Obviously, she could not uh, join us for last week's show, the first show of, of the new season. But, Becky, why don't you tell everybody how uh, how your summer went? Hey, everyone. It's so good to be back. Um, summer was good. Summer was great. Um, I'm a Met fan, so I had a really good time until last weekend. Um, but... You know, playoffs are playoffs are playoffs, so I can't wait. A um, lot of running around, a lot of pool time, which was great this year. And, yeah, I mean, it was nice. I was excited about fall, and then all of a sudden it rained for four days straight and it's been 50 degrees, and I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> but <laughs> I, think it'll, I think it'll be nice again soon, so, you know, seasons. Um. You mentioned, Becky, Mets playoffs right around the corner. Oh, yeah. Um, Can you just give everybody a sense of where your intensity meter stress levels are, Rangers playoffs versus Mets playoffs? Um, I am a very big Ranger fan. Like, there is no doubt about it. I am superstitious when it comes to watching Ranger games, like... For example, I will only lay a certain way or sit on a certain area of the couch or the floor or whatever, have to have like certain meals. I'm like kind of a nut job when it comes to the Rangers and which nut job is a really, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. I have a lot of very quirky superstitions when it comes to the Rangers playoffs and I am about 1000 times worse with the Mets. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think because I've never seen them win and... Uh, I've been a Met fan. Essentially, it was like indoctrinated in me at birth. And whereas like I started watching the Rangers in 2008 and they were good for most of those years. Um, So, you know, like 2015, um, I couldn't be in public. It was just it's just it's a time like it's a time and a place. And maybe Rob, you'll like record me watching the effing wild card because I would I, I would oh good that. god yes please please oh. this is the content my roommate one of my old one of my old roommates did that to me once and and honestly it was fine but what's was watching a ranger playoff game just to be clear I think probably in, in 2014 or 2015 uh this is my roommate Ben Ben Bear who's getting married in a couple weeks Ben Ben's happy birthday a, a ben. really good friend if you're also ben. a um if you're a soccer fan you may know Ben he's pretty popular in the uh in kind of the MLS world um, but anyway, yeah, Ben recorded me watching a Ranger game. It was a playoff game. It was not a pretty sight. I looked like extremely unhinged, like two empty Budweiser's in front of me because that was my superstitious beer at the time. And like a hand in a bag of Doritos, just not not well. So um, it was not a flattering flattering picture at all no it's a, uh, so it's no a time. i will not record you becky it's a time i mean like i went to one game in 2015 against the dodgers 
and they lost and that was okay i was with my brother though and we were definitely like whiskey jackets on um but that was early that was the ds if i'm not mistaken um it's just it's a time guys like it's it's not okay i'm not gonna be well for the next couple of weeks hopefully um and i love again i love the rangers and usually in october i'm like hell yeah like rangers hockey can't wait for hot but like i'm gonna be in a place and there may be some games or, or some podcasts where i am like don't fucking come near me don't fucking talk to me i'm watching the mets and yeah but i am i will say as disappointed as I am in the fact that they will, you know, more than likely by the time this is released, will have lost the NL East. Um, potential to win 100 games, uh, again, will be decided by the time that this is released. Uh, the potential to win 100 games is there, and I, like, love this team, and I think they're capable of everything. So, you know, LFGM, baby. Uh, to, to me, it's not dissimilar to the Rangers last year, although the Rangers were a little bit more young team taking big steps. Yeah. Right. And the Mets brought in major talent and, and, you know, use their financial resources to upgrade the team in a big way. And we'll see if that pays off. Um, Yes. And, and I don't think anyone will blame you, Becky, if you maybe have to sit out a couple more shows with the, the Mets potentially in a, in a, an NLDS and NLCS, God willing, maybe a World Series. So best of luck up. to them. I just threw up yeah. on the table. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I put money but on anyway. the Yankees and the Mets meeting in the World Series. I didn't bet on a winner, just both of them meeting in the World Series. And I think I get like 250 bucks if they both do it. So I'll that, might, that might lead to divorce, actually. So just <laughs> um, we'll see. So, we may need to be in separate places. But, uh, you know, I don't think it'll come to blows. Listen, as you guys know, you know, we have a guest room. One of you can always crash here. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> if it comes ha- to that, we have enough rooms now. It's just a matter of, uh, of like maybe we'll have to separate by like levels. Like Rob, you could sleep on the couch downstairs. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, right. we'll this is we'll a straight up out. COVID separation. One of you's like you're gonna treat this like one of you's got COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, isolation. basically. <laughs> yeah, it's isolation. That's probably how you deal with it. And then I, I don't know how you split the childcare duties. But anyway, do not um, split the child in half. Don't split the child in half. I cannot stress this enough. At two years old, it's um, truly who she wants more. So, oh, I'm, I'm feeling that now. I, I am like on the bench. All my daughter mm-hmm. wants is my wife, and I'm just like, well, I'll do the dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to find other ways to help out. Yeah, basically. Um. So, well, Becky, we're as I said, really glad to to have you back on the show. I know you were missed last week by the hordes of uh, fans of Live from the Blue Seats. Um, and, uh, you know, so this week's a little bit different in that we are recording on Tuesday. It won't come out till Thursday. So, you know, some of the topical stuff, maybe things will change. There will be a whole game played and probably a little bit more practice time or something between this conversation and when you listen to this. But the big news today, of course, was the revolving door of who's going to play right wing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider found its way to none other than uh, former, future, current Ranger, uh, Jimmy Vesey. So Jimmy Vesey <laughs> looks like he's going to get his turn um, on the top line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, as I said. This was, I'll be honest, when I, I heard they were bringing him back, the one thing I said was, hey, this should be fine. I, the, I'm okay with this move 
as long as they don't force feed him like a ton of top six minutes. And it looks like we're, we're already having that discussion in early October. So that aside, uh, Dave, I'll let you go first. What do you think about this? And, and, and what does this say about the Rangers' plan at top line right wing? So I am going to more or less rip off Rob Luker on this one, who tweeted this out. But I'm going to take it from my own thoughts because it's kind of what I was thinking, but it, you know, I never got it out into the public sphere because work has been destroying my soul for the past couple of weeks. Um, As long as the kid line remains intact and as long as Artemi Panarin has claimed Vitaly Kravtsov as his own, then the Rangers are going to have an issue on right wing and it sounds like Gallant is hoping that Kreider and Zibanejad can basically drag around the corpse of somebody and hope that it's useful Um, they tried that last year with Goudreau it didn't work I think they had a sub 40 expected goals for percentage which is just horrible and I think their expected goals against per 60 was 3 which is just horrible just horrible and that won't work. Sammy Blay is a sneeze away from another injury. And Jimmy Vesey, as much as we... I mean, I like the guy. I think he'd be a great bottom six player. And he's also found the magic elixir, the Paul Rudd elixir, that he just doesn't age. He's not the answer. And unfortunately, as long as that kid line is together, and I know we love the kid line... They're going to have this hole, and they're going to have the issue where the kids only get 12 minutes a game again because lines one, two, and three are not going to get even billing here. So I think Gallant is the coach that can get them to the cup, but he's got to move off the kid line at some point and give that top line what they need, which is a guy that can command attention, see the ice, set people up, and that's Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, Becky, I want to stop or sorry, step back a little bit and just talk about uh, when they brought Jimmy Vesey back in the first place. What what did you think of that? And then now what do you think of this, at least this most current uh, potential plan here of using him as a as a right wing with uh, Kreider and Zibanejad? Jimmy Vesey is a very nice boy. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. He is. He's very nice. Look, uh, when I saw that there are bringing him back I laughed because I think that's the appropriate response it's not an it's not a long-term answer right in you know the top six I think everything Dave said is right um but I also wasn't like appalled by it I guess I I I also don't have extremely strong feelings about anything that happens in the preseason unless it's you know god forbid a major injury um I think the preseason is for kind of testing shit out that you don't want to have to test out in the regular season when the games matter. Um, But that said, like, there's definitely a glaring hole. So you have to figure, like, what are they going to do? Like, how is that going to be fixed? And I think, look, there's always the possibility that something, like, ridiculous happens. But I don't – it's not Jimmy Vesey. It's not the answer. So – I'm also not opposed to breaking up the kid line. I just am not. And again, if you want to try it in the preseason, it's the time to do it. So I don't hate Dave's idea. 
Yeah. Well, and I have kind of a two part or two thoughts about this that are kind of in line with what both of you said. The first one in regards to the kid line, I think that Gallant went into this preseason knowing that those three kids were coming off the best hockey they'd ever played in their lives. And why mess with that, right? Bring them in uh, to a new season in comfortable surroundings, right? Put them together. Be like, hey, you guys kicked ass in the playoffs when the games got really tough, when the, when the opposition got got tougher on you. Um, you know, I, I think Heedle actually, I caught a clip of him actually talking about Vincent Trocek. And he mentioned like, hey, look, I played almost every shift in that second round against Vincent Trocek. So I know how tough he is and how annoying he is and how good he is. It was a very mature response from Heedle, right, about a guy who's now his teammate. Um, but I think that it, this was Gallant's way of saying, hey, guys, no pressure, right? Just come in here, do your thing, crush the other team's third line or whatever AHL guys you'll be playing in the preseason. That'll get you off to a good start. I think that's why he did that. I also think that by not committing to a right wing on the top line, he's sending a message at least to Kako and Lafreniere, who are the guys with the pedigree. Now, Heedle's also in this discussion, but he's a center, so he's and he's only a center, as we now know, so he's not a solution up there. I think this is essentially a challenge to Kako and Lafreniere to say, hey, look, guys, if one of you comes out guns blazing, right, you score six goals in the first eight games of the year, you're dominating your your matchups, we're going to make the move. You'll get that shot with the top line because I think Gallant knows, you know, despite what we may think and, and you know, especially the analytics Twitter and, uh, you know, I love Rob, of course, but, but folks like Rob are often pretty hard on coaches and management, rightfully so. They do a lot of really uh, – for lack of a better term, stupid shit at times. I think Gallant knows that the combination of Blay, Goodrow, Jimmy Vesey, Dryden Hunt, whoever else, Julian Gauthier, whoever else is on the bottom of this roster is not the Gauthier answer. exists. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I think he's probably in that next round of cuts coming. Um, he, there just does not seem to be a place for him among the, you know, he's currently in that group of literally eight players battling for the final three spots, the, the, or I guess the last four spots, the, you know, the, the bottom line and the, and the four, the 13th forward spot. But, but just to finish that point, I think it's this first month of the season is an open challenge to Kako and Lafreniere to say, guys, there is a job waiting for you. And I think if one of them grabs it, it's theirs to have. If neither of them grabs it, then I think the already inevitable trade, Patrick Kane, is definitely going to happen. I think that goes from a 75% chance to a 95% chance. Look, I think they want to give Kako and Lafreniere enough time to see if they can actually play at that level 18 minutes a night against top competition with elite players and produce. Uh, And if they can, great. And the, the problem is solved. And if they can't, they're trying to win a cup this year. They're probably going to go out and make that move. I do want to say that what we see on October 11th is not what we're going to see on May 11th. Absolutely not. Or even so, even even December 11th, honestly. You know it's going to change yeah. a ton, month, week to week, month to month. I mean, again, and I, I hate to say this because I like the way he plays, and I think he'd be a good asset on the Rangers, but, you know, Sammy Blay is going to get hurt again. He hasn't played a full season since Obama was president. And we covered this on the last pod, too. And we know Goudreau just doesn't work on that line. So once they realize that VZ, And listen, for all we know, we're wrong on VZ, And all of a sudden, he channels that 
aura that made him a very sought-after uh, third-round pick that didn't sign with Nashville, I think. Was it Nashville? Yeah, it was Nashville. That's right. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. And then all, like, he just turns it up. And he doesn't need to be this perfect play-driving guy. He just needs to open up ice. And the only concern I have about him is that he plays a similar offensive style to Kreider, which is get to the net and kind of get the garbage goals. He's not the finesse player that I think they need. But yeah. listen, if he works, if they're throwing shit at the wall and something finally sticks, great. Then hopefully we don't have to trade for Kane because not only is he a garbage human, but I'm a little bit concerned about that cost, even if I don't think it's going to cost an arm and a leg. I'd also be concerned about his complete and utter lack of defense. He is one of, at least from, the, again, the metrics perspective, one of the worst defensive players in the league, which... Yes, you know, last year the, the problem the Rangers had more so than defense was actually generating offense at even strength, but, you know, and, and he certainly would help in that area. Uh, but the, the lack of defensive acumen and, uh, you know, and defensive skill would, would I think, be a, pr- probably an issue, especially if you're talking about trying to win a Stanley Cup. Um, He'd be better defensively than Libor Hayek, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> He's not a defenseman. <laughs> Becky, I wanted to get your thoughts on one other thing that, that we uh, talked about last a little bit last week, but you know, obviously we didn't haven't had a chance to get your opinion on the record, as it were. What do you think of uh, Trocheck, and what do you think fans can expect from Trocheck this year? I mean, I I still hate his face, but I think that's going to stop once he's on my team. Um, he's annoying. He's annoying as hell to play against, and so that means he's one of the players that you want on your team and you don't want to have to face. Um, I think he's going to be good. I think it was a good signing. I'm looking forward to seeing him play in, you know, a real game, in a real environment, um, and I I think it was a great signing. But, um, again, I'm still just really not used to him being a New York Ranger. Like, I see pictures, and I see it, and I'm like, I, who the hell is this guy? Like, what? What are you <laughs> doing? More importantly, what do you think of his choice of facial hair? It makes me want to die. It just makes <laughs> me want to drop dead. For those I who have haven't so seen it, him and Ryan Lindgren are sporting the worst, like, Southern Civil War general mustaches I've here's, ever seen. Yeah, really here's bad. the thing. Here's the thing about mustaches, okay? Like, my dad had a mustache when I was little, and then he shaved it, and it traumatized me because I was not used to seeing my dad without a mustache. That's, like, aside from the traumatic part of it, that's the only good thing about, like, the only fond memory or, like, fond thoughts I have about mustaches. I think they're so fucking ugly. I don't understand why, like, every baseball player this year had one. And that guy on the Yankees, who's, like, actually a good baseball player and, like, seems like a decent Nestor, human. Nestor Cortez, yeah. No. The outfielder who got oh, hurt. Oh, Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter, yeah. I hate him with a passion simply because of his mustache. I just think it looks so stupid. You don't look like fucking Miami Vice. You don't look cool. I don't care if it's in. Like, I am a cranky, old-ass millennial right now, and I think they're really stupid. And With great mustache comes great responsibility. Like, Ryan Lingring can pull it off because he legitimately looks dead behind the eyes. And, like, I think yeah, he's he, a psycho. I think he might actually be, like, a Coen Brothers movie extra. Like, I think that's his actual job. And he just does hockey, like, for shits and giggles. Um, but it's just, it's so ugly. So then what you have to root for, Becky, is, like, Trocek to have, like, no points in his first eight games and be like, oh, no, the mustache is unlucky. 
get superstitious and shave it. No, because you know what? I have such an idea of him, like, negative, because he's played against my team for so long and it's so goddamn annoying against my team that, like, he'd be, like, doubling down and, like, do, like, a full, like, Fu Manchu or something, like, gross sideburns out. Like, I just... <laughs> No, no, it's all it's all fucking bad. Just fucking shave, dude. Like shave or grow a full beard. Just ugh. facial hair. Uh, it's not that hard. From aesthetics to on ice production, I wanted to now uh, pivot to this. Uh, and so, Dave, last week we discussed uh, the over under total for the Rangers season ninety nine point five standings points. We both think the Rangers will be comfortably over that. Becky, quickly, what do you think over or under 99.5 for the Rangers this year? They had 110 last year. Could be a one-word answer. I'm marinating on it. I'm going to say over. Okay. Dave had them way over, like 115. No, I I don't have them way over. I have them just over. I have them okay. way the fuck over. I have them. Dave's bullish this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the reason I brought that up is I wanted to do a similar thing on this week's episode before we get to our uh, questions. Just pick out a couple of players, and we'll start with Trocek in a second. And instead of uh, I don't have over-unders, but I have fantasy pro- projections. So I'm looking at the ESPN fantasy hockey site right now. They have 2022 stats, 2023 projections. So anybody who's got a fantasy draft coming up, maybe this becomes a little uh, a useful segment to you if you're thinking about picking some Rangers. Maybe you know, maybe we're giving some unsolicited yet decent fantasy advice here. Um, they didn't do every player, but I want to do a few of them just because I think it brings up it's a nice avenue into a discussion about some key individuals for the Rangers this year. So let's start with Trocheck. Last year, just to give you his numbers: 21 goals, 30 assists, 51 points. Um, that was not his career high. His career high was actually with Florida about five or six years ago. I think he had 75 points. So that was he was way up there and has not really gotten back to those heights. ESPN has him at a conservative increase of 23 goals, 33 assists, 56 points. So Dave, I'll go to you first, then Becky. 56 points. Does that sound right or does that sound under or, or over for Trocek? 56 points. Oh, God. You, you see, you're putting me against... My own, my other prediction, which is Trocek is not going to finish the season on the top power play unit. Can I put an if-then mm. statement? I, sure. Okay. If he stays on power play one, over. If he doesn't, under. Okay. Becky, what do you feel about 56 points? Over. Like I said, over. Okay. Playing with Panarin, you think, because yes. of that? Yes. Okay, I'm inclined to go with both of you on that, and I think you'll probably see something like 60 points, probably like 30, close to 30 goals. I think he gets more goals because he's a gritty net front player. Panarin's going to set him up for a bunch of tap-ins, and you know, again, not to make the Ryan Strom joke, but Trocheck will be better at finishing the tap-ins. Um, oh, God, let's I can't let's go Strom to missed that empty net in the playoffs. Let's not talk about that. It's a new season. Uh, they weren't winning let, the fucking cup, all right? I know, I, like know, about I, as know, I know. I'm about as optimistic as any human being, and I got roasted for being so optimistic and telling people to just enjoy the goddamn sport. So they were not winning the cup. I think we all got roasted for that at the beginning of the year, and then look what happened. Yeah, everyone had the most fun they've ever had watching the Rangers. Yeah. Did they have fun, uh, though? <laughs> most, most people did. I, I'm, I'm willing to think that by the time the playoffs came around, people were enjoying the, the ride. Um, let's go to one of our favorites. 
and the longest tenured Ranger, Chris Kreider. Obviously, last year, career highs across the board, 52 goals, 25 assists, 77 points. They have him projected much more towards his career-type numbers, 29 goals, 24 assists, 53 points. Uh, All right, I'll go to Becky first. What do you think we're getting out of CK20 this year? I think it's over the prediction, but it's definitely – I don't think he's going to, like, score 50 goals again. So over over the prediction, but under – like, definitely a bit of a cool-off. Oh, yeah, I'm with Becky on that one. I think that was the easiest so, prediction for yeah. us to go through. So you think you think he is, uh, again, I'm using this word again now, second week in a row, you think he's a lock for at least 30 goals this year, even, even, even though he'd never scored 30 in any previous season until last year? I don't think he's a lock, but I would, if I were betting on it, I would say, yeah, I think he will score at least 30 goals. But I, I wouldn't say a lock. I mean, if he loses his touch in front of the net, then he loses a lot of goals. Or if the right, team I mean, start defending that better, figuring out how to defend it, who knows if they can. But, like, if they do, then that's a, that's a problem for him. How do you even story. defend that? He's I don't, just, I he's don't a freak. Know. Like, he, I, he's a physical specimen. How do you defend him in front? Double team him. Uh, really, and that's why, uh, you know, not to go back to this, but that's why the who their right wing is ultimately does matter because it's open ice for somebody else. You have to figure Kreider's going to draw some attention in front of the net. You can't defend him one-on-one. you got to put two guys there in some situations, and that would, you know, uh, that would leave a potential right wing open to score a lot of goals. Um, let's uh, – I'm going to keep this going. I only want to do two more, and it's it's the kids. It's the two kids who are, you know, not to put it, uh, you know, too dramatically, but they're probably the two most important players when it comes to the Rangers' future. So let's start with Lafreniere. Last year, 19 goals, 12 assists, 31 points. He played the whole season. He played 79 games. Um, And obviously all those goals were at even strength. Um, This year, they have him projected for 23 goals and 16 assists. So 39 points over 80 games. You know, basically a full season missing one or two here here or there. So a point every other game, 20-plus goals. Uh, So... Two-part question for for both of you on this, Dave. What do you, what are your thoughts on that prediction? Are you going over under, and would you be happy with something like that from Lafreniere? I would be happy with twenty-three and forty, which is basically what it's at. I'm rounding up here, but I think he goes over. I think eventually that kid line does get broken up, and from there, Lafreniere has had the best success with. Uh, Kreider and Zibanejad. So I think he winds up on the top line, and I think he winds up on the top power play unit. So I think he's going to shatter it. Okay. Uh, Becky, what are your thoughts on those Lafreniere numbers? I think over. A lot of overs tonight. We're optimistic. Yeah, no reason not to be confident. Um, Okay. Capo Caco. This is the big one. And it's funny, you know, even though Lafreniere was the first overall pick, Kako was obviously the second overall pick the year before. I always feel like there's way more uh, attention and pressure on Kako. And, and <clears throat> you know, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just the, my perception of the situation and, and it's not reality. But um, certainly feels like the microscope's a little bit more intense on him. <clears throat> Last year, 43 games, 7 goals, 11 assists, 18 points. Not pretty. 
This year, they're projecting him to play close to a full season, but with an injury factored in. So 74 games, 13 goals, 18 assists, 31 points. Uh, Becky, you first. What are your thoughts on that Kako prediction over or under uh, and anything else? I mean, he's shown some like real flashes of brilliance. And it's really hard. I'm going to say under, barely. I'm going to say he's like around 30. And I think he breaks out next year. Okay. He did sign a two-year deal, didn't he, Dave? Uh, I believe so. Second. Yeah, it was yes, a two-year bridge, two deal. Year deal. Yeah. Two year bridge deal. Two-year bridge deal. So he stays and, and with, in a contract year, finally it all clicks in yeah. here. What, what would be year five? Yes. Okay. Dave? Oh. I am going to say... So it was 13, 18, 31? Yes. I think it's 15 and 30. 15 goals, 30 points. All even strength. But I think he becomes a premier penalty killer in the league. Interesting. He is already one of the best defensive forwards on the team and in the league. Why they don't play him on the penalty kill is just fucking baffling to me. Well, Um, they may this year. They may. They need to because he's probably one of their better options right now looking at the roster. And they really need to get some of the other guys, like Kreider, specifically off of the penalty kill because he's not overly effective. So I'm going to go 15 goals, 30 points, while playing a shutdown role and being a top penalty killer on the team. Okay. And I'm happy with that, by the way. You don't need everybody to be this 95-point guy. Yeah, it's a little underwhelming for a second overall pick, but, you know... 15 goals, 30 points, and one of the best defensive players in hockey? I'll take it. It'll be interesting. And, and like I said, the, there certainly will be a heavy microscope on both he and Lafreniere uh, as things kick off next week. Um, all right, let's get to the questions. Uh, we got a bunch here from our, our awesome fans and listeners. First one comes from Nick at Brooklyn Joker 90 <clears throat> And uh, I think this, you know, this is an interesting one, actually. I have to know, what are the preseason vibes for 60 for this team? So, you know, last year we talked about it a lot. The vibes were immaculate. The Rangers were a feel-good story. And, yeah, unless you were one of those miserable curmudgeons that Becky scolded every week, you had a hell of a time (laughs) watching this team. They were super fun. They clearly loved each other. They played their asses off for one another. They played exciting games. They figured it out at the three-quarter mark of the season and actually played objectively good hockey and, and, and made it to the conference finals. Pretty much all you could ask for from a, a young team that just came out of a rebuild. Vibes were off the charts. <clears throat> Are they still off the charts? Becky, I'll start with you. I can't answer that right now. I'm sorry. Why not? Even preseason, I'm just no, no feel. I'm still in baseball mode. I got to shift into hockey mode. It's just, I can't do it yet. I'm sorry, That's Nick. Fair. You know, I'm always here for a vibe check, but. That one was for you too, definitely. He, without, he didn't tag you or anything, but that question was for you. I know. The vibe check will be, will be back next week. I'm sorry. Probably more like November if, if you have your way with the Mets, I think. If the vibes are really off the charts, then you get the vibe check immediately. 
Oh, the vibes are off the charts. You know how we know? Did you see the look on Kravsaw's face when he first saw the <laughs> Shesty release us? That's how you know the vibes are already off the fucking charts. He looked at it and goes, whoa, what the hell am I here for? Wow. And I mean, welcome, welcome, Ansel Elgort. It's going to be a good time. Uh-huh. That's how you know it's the same fucking vibes because he's he looked at it like, oh, this is different. Yeah, but at the same One, time, the off the boards with the Ryans is kind of weird without Ryan Strom. I still he want was, that stupid mean tweets video. Guy. Yeah, it's gone. They lost it. They lost um, it. Lost it, my ass. What they really quick it. thing on Kravtsov though, which I think speaks to the vibes, the relationship that is blooming between he and Artemi Panarin, I think, is probably one of the most important storylines of the early part of the year because Panarin has clearly made it a point to make him feel welcome to take him under his wing and I also think Panarin's a bit of a man on a mission this year you know he he's spoke in the media you know he's obviously doesn't take that stuff super seriously but he has said like he didn't knows he didn't play well enough last year and he wants to come out and prove that he's you know the player he was when he dominated that series and you know for Columbus against Tampa when they swept them a few years back um so I think the Panarin Kravtsov storyline is a good one. And that speaks, I think, to some positive vibes. I think, look, you know, um, I would say to you, Nick, just to answer the question, I think the vibes remain good and the, the vibes for 60 remains high until further notice. And I think we'll know right away. As Becky said, you, you get that vibe check pretty quickly when a season starts. Um, next question from, from Jess, friend of the pod, at Jessica Lynn 312 Who is scoring the first goal of the season and why is it Jimmy Vesey? <laughs> she's been predicting that for since they re-signed him oh. <laughs> i think that's i think no i mean i think it's gonna be panarin but that's just me i'm gonna go with a, a different newbie but trocheck dave anybody i got a name i'm gonna i'm gonna go full choosing violence and go barclay goodrow I love it. Off Is his it ass. Is still violence right now? Like with Good Are we still like on the the Good Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Top top line, Barclay Goodrow. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for clarifying. Still off, still off his ass. That's how he's going to score it. I was going to go Libor Hayek, but I don't think he's going to be in the opening David, night lineup. That's. You keep trying to bring him up, and I'm not going to let you do it as the host of this show. It's not happening. Oh, uh, I'm going to keep doing it the way I keep editing the script to get you to say Salama Lima Ding Dong. Yeah, I don't even read from a script anymore. I've got this thing memorized. Um, okay, next question comes from... Well, I do want to say, uh, this guy Tom Nevin, Tom underscore Nevin said, I think Gallant is just uh, effing with, fucking with the fans with Jimmy Vesey on the top line, which I think is actually uh, not... There's a non-zero chance of that being the case. I think he might be doing this little revolving door for shits and giggles just to see what the media and fan reaction is. Um, but that's besides the point. I mean, I would respect uh, that. Yeah, I think Gallant can go into troll mode pretty easily, honestly, under the radar. I would love it if, if he just comes out one day and say, it just to the media and says, yeah, I was just messing with you guys. He's basically already done that. Remember with the injuries and stuff? And, yeah. you know, yeah. When, hold Tell on. You know, I may have pay missed attention. that. Hold on. Run that by me one more time. I think I missed this. I can't remember the specific instance, but last year at some point, he definitely, uh, you know, had been 
alluding to or they kept asking him about oh is is this player going to come back is this player going to come back and he kept saying like uh, i don't know or you know you'll see or you know he does that a lot with like what the line combinations are and he sort of looks at the media and smiles and says like you know uh i'm not telling you or no he'll point blank say no about something and then it's 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 actually the opposite the next day so um i think he like most other coaches has a very I don't want to call it love hate, but it's more hate. I think he, yeah, maybe it's hate hate, especially with uh, you know some of the members of the uh, of the Rangers beat. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think most coaches get like. I mean, look, you speak to these people two three times a day for seven eight months out of the year. Most of the time, they're asking the same questions. They're not particularly good questions, and oftentimes, there's not a great question to ask. So it's all just kind of useless back and forth that doesn't bring value to anybody involved. And so people kind of have fun with it and fuck around. I think Gallant definitely does that from time to time. Speaking of Uh, fucking around, I think this is the most F-bombs per 60 we've had in the pod ever. Well, it's always marked explicit, so the folks know. And look, the kids, you know, we try to keep it kid and family friendly, but, um, you know, hard to do. Uh, Okay, next one from Dylan at dbrett 2003 what are your expectations for Heedle? So Heedle was one of those guys, by the way, that has no fantasy projection. And basically what that means is he's never scored enough points in an NHL season to warrant a fantasy projection. If you're curious, he had eight goals and 14 assists last year, 22 points in 67 games. He did miss time with injuries. He was healthy scratched a few times, as, as you, I'm sure you both recall. Um, but it's a good question. What are our expectations for him? He's going to be in a third-line center role. He's going to have limited power play time. So, you know, knowing that the scoring numbers probably aren't going to be huge, what do we expect from from Phil, Philda, as he's lovingly called in the Rangers dressing room? I think in an ideal world, like, being the third-line center doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have points. I mean, I, like, I know I keep on going back to it, but the 14 team that, like, was rolling four lines, you know, like – if you're an effective third line, then I don't see any reason why you can't score points. I don't know. I agree. That no, is you're a absolutely good right. comparison. I like that comparing to the 14 team. When What was it? Uh, Pouliot, Zook, and Brass is the third line? Yeah. I like that comparison. Thank you. See, I, I bring something to this podcast <laughs> other than F-bombs. No, um, no it, it, we yeah. missed you last but week. That's... <laughs> But that's the whole that is to your point, Becky. That is the whole point here is that you want scoring depth. You yes. want three, potentially four lines that can actually play that aren't just out there to like you pray to God that they survive their forty five seconds so you can get one of the top two lines back on. Exactly. Like, have them come out and do their job and score some goals like they did in the playoffs. You know, I think there might be a little bit of a of, a, of an Occam's razor thing here too, which I, I don't know if you guys know the term, right? But it basically means the solution to a problem is often the most obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Occam's razor for the Rangers this year might be like, just let the kid line roll um, because they're an effective line. Why mess with it? If they're able to contribute in 13, 14 minutes of ice time, which they're probably going to be hovering right around that, that mark, then great. Well, why mess with what works? Can I throw a caveat in there? Why sure. mess with what works, assuming that lines one, two, and three get the same amount of even strength time? Because that was an issue last year. Even yes. even in the playoffs, the kid line did not get the same number of shifts at even strength. 
that's, I think that's a good fair. point. It is. And to your point about the 14 team, Becky, as much as we all know you loathe AV, that year was probably uh, one of the easiest coaching jobs of his life because he pretty much rotated his lines one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, unless it was like a close game, late game situation. He basically evened out the ice time across the board. That also keeps you fresh throughout the year. You know, you don't have to put a ton of miles on Kreider and Zibanejad and Panarin, who are all over 30 years old now. Trocek is 29. Um, you know, if Mika's you can spread 30. the... Oh, he's not 30 yet. I thought he was 30. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I apologize. How dare um, you? I'm sorry. What birthday is January? When is his birthday? He's 1993. April, April 18th. Oh, it's birthday April 18th, so he's not 30 until after the season. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, they'll be playing in April, we, we hope. Um, but no, but the point remains is, you know, you don't need to necessarily pile ice time, especially early in the year, you know, when you're still feeling things out. Just roll the lines and let, let everybody get into a flow. Um, we kind of just answered the question, but I do want to call out Mark uh, Panzer at Pans, P-A-N-Z 21. He basically asked us, uh, we just answered your question, Mark, but I do want to read it so and, and give you the, uh, the, the kudos for, for submitting it. Your question was hypothetical but very possible scenario. If Kako breaks out and the kid line shines, do you want to break? Do you want them to one break it up and put Kako on the top line, or leave it together uh, and let the kid line roll? I, I, so, well, let's let's kind of answer that directly. If that does happen, Becky, are you leaving? The, you're leaving the kid line alone. It sounds like if they're rolling, playing really well together, yeah. I you don't you don't break up kind of like the hot hand or whatever the hotline um unless you're really really struggling like if you're like not scoring goals or like if the kid line's scoring like two goals a game but you're getting you're losing games like three two four two and no one else is producing then i think it's a different story but like if there's some kind of secondary scoring then i think yeah like you break it up and see or you don't break it up and i think that made sense in my head but i don't know if that translated so no that yeah gonna let it, that made sense no, but what what you're basically saying is if it if the kid line is working and the second line is working, then you were only really what trying to find a right winger for Kreider and Zibanejad who are still going to produce on the power play anyway. So why fix mm-hmm. it? What ain't broke? Right. And right. Going back to the 2014 comment, Becky, that you made, if that kid line produces the way that that um that blah, 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 wow, I'm going to start this sentence over. Uh, if the kid line produces the way the Zook Brass Pouliot line did, you know, the Rangers are going to be very difficult to stop. That's three yep. legitimate scoring lines. Any of them can score. And then you look at who's going to be on the fourth line. They have six different shutdown options. They can, pl- well, five plus Reeves that they can roll out. And all of a sudden you're looking at possibly, uh, what was it, Boyle, Moore, Dorset for the most part, or mm-hmm. Carcillo. Mm-hmm. And so what we'd be looking at Goodrow, Ru- Carpenter, Carpenter slash yeah. Rydal, R- 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 however, and then Hunt for the most part. That's a good shutdown line. And I don't know how you can look at the Rangers and say, hey, this is a team that doesn't have scoring depth. When you look at their top eight of their top nine, all of them are very talented. Like, this is a team that if it hits its ceiling, it's going to blow past every projection they've ever had. Well, and what's really interesting is you end up with a situation where 
Yeah, sure. Kreider scores less. Maybe Mika Zibanejad scores less. He has 70 points instead of 80, 82. Maybe Panarin, t- you know, takes a bit of a haircut. Not literally. He has got beautiful flowing locks. But, you know, he, he only has 82, 83 points because he's playing one or two fewer shifts at even strength every game. But the kid line scores more. And then, you know, if you look at – go and I'm not going to do it now because we're running out of time. But go look at the stats from the 2014 team. I think their leading scorer had high 50s in terms of points. Now, that team didn't score a ton of goals, uh, and, and it would have been nice if they scored a little bit more. And it took them a while to, to find their goal-scoring touch that first year under Vigneault. But that they had very balanced scoring throughout the lineup where it basically ends up being a bunch of guys who have, you know, 15 to 20 goals and 20 to 30 assists. And you're like, wow, none of this blows your mind from a, a raw point, point total perspective. But damn, pretty much every player they put out there can score. Every line can can produce chances. Um, and maybe that, you know, that that might be the formula for the Rangers. That certainly looks like the formula for a lot of teams that win the Stanley Cup. You know, you need those top guys because they're the ones who can, you know, break the game open when it's when it's tight and when it's a, you know, 1-1 game late in the playoffs like we saw Kreider and, uh, and, and Mika Zibanejad and even Artemi Panarin do last year. That's why those guys are here. But if they all don't have really high gaudy point totals at the end of the year, but that means the kid line stays together and produces at a high level, I think that's an outcome every Ranger fan would sign up for, for sure. Uh, all right, so that about wraps up. Thanks, everyone, for submitting your questions. Uh, Dave, Becky, any final thoughts? So this is um, pretty much our last show before the season starts. So obviously the Rangers open their season on uh, October 11th. That's next Tuesday against the Tampa Bay Lightning at home. I believe they then go to Minnesota back-to-back the following night. So that that's going to be a trip. That's probably a scheduled loss right off the bat but um any any thoughts going in because it's also minnesota's opening night rangers will be coming off an emotional night themselves um any thoughts going into uh the final week of preseason and the first uh game of 2022 23 um i think probably just that it's hockey it's meant to be fun try to remember that this season when you freak out over every single little decision that is made um and yeah let's go rangers it's gonna be a really fun season Any dave final thoughts uh, i was gonna troll you and say long live Libor hayek but i decided against it last second <laughs> well uh, you said it well no 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 that was a i'm walking it back um i am with becky that we do you know on twitter especially on Twitter, kind of get caught up in the day-to-day of everything and every single stupid minute detail that doesn't fucking matter. It's a long ride. The vibes per 60 are going to be through the roof again. Let's enjoy the season. And the Rangers are going to win the division. I like that. All, All I'll say is, yeah, I mean... Now we know the team's for real, and so let's enjoy this, right? Uh, you know, I think when 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 we were going through the Lundqvist years, it was a given they were going to make the playoffs pretty much after that first season. They they were pretty much a lock to make it, uh, and and it was all about you know we're going to ride Hank to April and then see see what happens. Um, and then they had to go through a rebuild, and and you know it, it was a long four years, uh, even though the Rangers did it pretty well and got back there pretty quickly, um, all things considered. So. 
But now that the Rangers are back, right, they, they are considered a contender. Most of the models that are coming out have them first or second in the division, over 100 points, um, or right around there, right around their betting line. Shocker. Um, look, the team's good. The team's got a lot of fun players to watch. And it's going to be a fun season. I do think, though, that there are stakes, right? And, and, and you know, that there are expectations. So uh, I'm really interested to see how the Rangers handle those as a team. And I'm obviously, you know, certainly keeping an eye on the young players because they are so crucial to the team's future. But we will be here as a, as a podcast crew to watch it along with you. We're, we're always, uh, you know, pumped to answer your questions. Definitely looking forward to doing some Twitter spaces. As I mentioned last week, we're going to do a bunch of those throughout the year. So, um, you know, Keep listening, keep submitting questions, and uh, thanks again. We'll see you next week.